name of Jesus, we prophesy the word of the Lord over every situation, over everything that has been dead, anything that has been death in, in, in situations in our life, over people that we know. We declare the word of the Lord. We say life in the name of Jesus. Blood flow in the name of Jesus. We declare that it is now, right now, in Jesus' name, and we pull you into the order of the Lord, into the timing of the Lord. It is now, it is now. And Father, as we enter into this weekend that we know has been ordained by you, God, that you would show us what the necessary preparations are in our lives that need to be made. And God, that we would not, like Joan said, that 100%, we're not walking away from this the same, but we are walking away changed. Our eyes on you, strengthened in our inner man, strengthened in the calling and the purposes that you have for us. And so right now I prophesy over these ladies and I call them into the order and the timing of the Lord, and I say, it is now, it is now, it is now over your lives. It is now, it is now, it is now. It is now, it is now, it is now. It is now, it is now, it is now. It's not something far off, it is now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you, thank you, Lord. Well, thank you, Jesus. You can be seated again. Thank you. for. Ooh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm so excited. Well, I have the honor of introducing Eve Bassett to you. And um, I, was, I was driving here today, and I'm like, God, I don't even have words <laughs> for how much this lady means to me. She is a spiritual mama to me, and she is a rock-solid woman of faith. She is a warrior in the spirit. She is a prophetic powerhouse. Okay, the Holy Spirit's going to give me words, I guess. <laughs> she is a woman of prayer. and of incredible wisdom. But I think that when I look at her, it's the strength, it's the battles she's walked through, but the strength that she carries. She's an incredible woman and I love her with all of my heart and it is an absolute honor to have you here with us, and we welcome you, and we receive what you have to say. So please welcome Eve Bassett. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Deidre, for doing that. This was like, I was fighting tears the whole time. Thank you. Thank you. So boy, now I better be really good. <laughs> You know, I was kind of not knowing what you were doing over here because uh, I came in and I was just caught up with worship and stuff. And I actually thought, 
because I was just saw the glass and I thought is is she looking after like getting the the band water or because <laughs> I couldn't see what you're doing but I'll tell you something that you are giving water that what you paint brings that spirit of life and they are refreshing that you're painting and your creativity and your gift brings refreshing of the Lord so God bless you in that and increase it and give you favor in it in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah so um, you kind of have to get to know me now right uh, <laughs> Because you'll find out that uh, I've come, a, you know, I come from, I always think, man, if Jesus could get me, he's pretty good at getting anybody. Um, I was, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. Yeah, just for, I don't always talk, well, that's true. No, that's not true. I talk about myself quite a bit, but, but it's usually got a reason. Uh, I'm a storyteller, so I'm always talking about something. And um, so in our house, a family of six children, um, my father died when we were 11, and when I was 11, and a fire truck and hit his police car going to the same fire. So, you know, it was a tragedy, but, on the, but it was front page for a number of days. And there was a Southern Baptist minister who just moved in to a brand new little church down the street from our house. And he read about that, and he came down and brought Jesus into our house. Thank God for the Baptists. Thank God for the Baptists. And so, I mean, I thought, I thought this was great. Uh, I, knew, I knew even as at 11, that if Jesus hadn't come into my house, I don't know where my mom would have ended up because she was so torn. Jesus healed and also she came out of uh, spiritism. She wasn't a spiritualist, but her, both her, her mother and her, both her grandmothers were spiritualist mediums. And she was the first hit Christianity. I tell you, if you're the first in your family, you, you actually break the spirit of familiar spirits by serving God. But many times you are in a battle over it. And she used to have demons visit her in the nighttime, leave marks on her arms and all kinds of stuff. So, <laughs> so she asked the little Baptist minister, what do I do about this? And of course... He didn't have a clue, not a clue. But the Lord showed her this, in the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ, leave my home. And she stood in the gap and broke that thing. What's interesting is that out of my six, out of us six kids, I was the only one that went the route of the occult. And the reason I went the route of the occult is because I got into drugs. Revelation talks about sorcery. It's actually pharmacos. It means enchantment with drugs. So whether they legalize it or not, it's an enchantment 
from another realm. I, I oppose anything that affects your free will. Is that includes, you know, booze. It includes anything that you, you overdo for sure. It so I'm not getting hypnotized because it affects my, not that I want to, but, but you know, I just don't, anything because God is so big on free will. Like he's so big on it, he lets us sin. He's so big on it that he doesn't come in and tell us what to do. He's there to lead us and guide us and deliver us. But he's so big on free will. You know who takes your will is hell itself. Because he doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. So praise God for my mom. Very thankful for my mom. She was also a worship leader in our church, head intercessor. You know, she just went on to just serve God. My daughter, Venice, has got a very beautiful voice, and she got that from my mom. It hopped right over me. <laughs> Landed on my kids. I figured God didn't want me to be able to sing because he'd never get me away from the mic, you know. But I, I, I don't have a great voice at all. That doesn't stop me from worshiping God. But. So, so down there, so I thought this was great. You know what, something happened to me when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe six months in the church. And, and you know, it's not a thing always said, but I noticed that the men did everything. They served communion. They were the preacher. You know, uh, the women could teach the little man, but they couldn't teach the big man. which always was a puzzle, even at 11. But they had one week, they had what was called a Lottie Moon Missionary Offering. And it was named after a lady missionary in China, this amazing lady. I got so excited. I thought, a woman can do something? I mean, I was excited. And so I worked for a whole week as an 11-year-old, Worked a whole week and got a dollar. I, I, you know, way back then, that was a good, price, a good amount of money. And I, I got a dollar. And I had got an envelope of church. I put that dollar in there. And I also had a, a dime. I thought, I'm putting that dime in. <laughs> and I was so excited to give that I went to the poor pastor's house. Thank God I don't live beside the church. But anyway, the poor pastor's house. And knocked on the door. And the pastor's wife came, probably busy for supper, but I, I had to give that money. And as soon as she took that money, I said, I'm going to be a missionary. And I didn't realize that that was a call, but I was called at 11, called at 11. And also, what's interesting, how money was involved. Because I'm a real money person. I don't mean that I have a pile of money, but I love doing offerings. I love talking about how God looks after me. I love how God looks after our house. I love, I, you know, I, I was at a meeting one time with a bunch of ministers and we we're sitting around having this lovely meal. It must have been, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. And I didn't know them all that well, but they started talking about how much they hated taking offerings. What? 
And one said they even had a box in the back of the church, you know, you put your money in. Dear Jesus. And I said, what are you guys doing? Says, do any of you talk about healing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you talk about healing, what happens? That means you begin to minister healing. You talk about the freedom of finances, the freedom, the love of God in it, that he watched that little lady put that money in. (laughs) God watches what we give. Not to judge us, but to free us. And so at the end of my rant, they said they were going to, hire someone to just pick me up and go from church to church and do the offerings. But, but you know, everything that's in the book is important. And God freed me uh, there at that 11-year-old kid. Never had trouble giving. Never. And uh, my, my life serving God, tithing, offering, whatever, whatever. And I think it's one of the most exciting parts of Christianity is that we don't have to fear. That we don't have to have greed. And that God said, he that helps the poor, I will come in the time of trouble. There's so many promises like that. I will come in the time of trouble. Beautiful. Anyway, sidetrack there, I'm sure. But I didn't know I was doing an offering. But kind of go there. I'm saying this because I'm not taking an offering, so you know how the sincerity of it. Um, so anyway, as, as I went along, a type of personality that I have to be in the middle of stuff. If something exciting is going on, I want to be in the middle of it. I'm still that way. I was there that way as a kid. And gradually, through one decision after the other, I ended up in the hippie movement. Some of you probably don't even know what a hippie is, but if you saw Jesus Revolution, you can see what a hippie looked like. And uh, <laughs> I remember walking down the street, say, Edmonton, uh, bare feet. I don't know why we had bare feet, but that's what we had. Everyone had bare feet. And I love, love bells, flowers in my hair. And I remember I caused an accident. A guy just looked like this and hit, because it was unusual. But it started out something. So interesting because after I got born again, there was a minister who worked with the government for uh, in drug control, that kind of stuff. And somehow he heard my testimony, and he said, "Would you go into the schools with me?" And I says, "I got nothing to say if I can't talk about Jesus in the middle of this. Like I got nothing to say." And he says, "Well, if they ask you a direct question." You can answer. Yes. Okay. So, so I went into one of the roughest schools, and uh, they had put about three classrooms in this big classroom. And so he was talking about how bad drugs are for you and stuff like this. And the kids are, you know. And uh, he says, now here's someone that was part of the drug culture, and uh, she's going to have something. So I, I went up. So I, I, and this is what I said, you know, it started out with love, peace, and joy, but they end up packing guns. Because the end of anything that doesn't have God in it, twists. The feminist movement, 
hey, our, our, our Christian great-grandmothers, great-great-grandmothers, you know, they were the women out there getting the vote. They were the women that getting the rights for, uh, for women. They were out there protecting children. You know, they, they were feminists. They would call them feminists. Feminist just means equal rights. But now what does it mean? See, how, how, did, how did guys end up in the bottom? Because anything that God's not in, and, and goes, you know, it goes, starts good, but anything he's not in, the human condition ends up twisting it, ends up twisting it. And so I was telling them this, you know, packing guns. And so this kid says, don't you think that all this stuff like drugs and alcohol it's just because some, there's something missing? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think it's because Jesus Christ is missing in our lives. And they froze. The whole room froze. No, one guy was handing a, handing a pencil to another guy. They literally froze in midair, like they just froze. And, and I was looking at them, and I just cracked up. I started laughing. They looked so funny, you know. And then they kind of started laughing, and Jesus had the room. And Jesus had the room. I tell you, <laughs> he had the room. Because that's where I ended up, was in the drug culture. So I ended up in drug homes. That's where I, I ended up hitchhiking across the nation. So that's, that's where I ended up. And uh, when I was 21, and I ended up in the occult, and another thing. So I spent a fortune on occult books and all kinds of things like that. And I was living in a house with different people, living in different rooms, and I was at the back. And, I had got a, a letter from a friend of mine who I had told him he needed Jesus, <laughs> living like the devil, but I told him he needed Jesus, that was his problem. You know, so anyway, I was so screwed up, I'm telling you. Thank God they didn't have Facebooks when I was a kid, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> thank God, thank God. <laughs> so, uh, so I get a letter from him, he was in Vancouver by this time, I was in Ottawa. And he said, he started talking, because I had then written him a letter about all this interesting occult stuff and, you know, spiritualism and blah, 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 blah. And he told me all that stuff wasn't of God. Okay, what does he know? And, you know, I was reading a book called Reincarnation, something or other. And in that book, he asked this lady, it must be a Catholic lady, what do you think about reincarnation? She goes, oh, that's what, that's what the Bible means when it says you must be born again. Well, I knew that was a lie because God had touched me at 11. I, I knew that was a lie. And, I, and I, so I said to the Lord, well, and I wasn't talking to him, you know. I knew my life. And I said, well, if this is wrong, show me. So about early, early morning, 
I don't even know how early. The front of the house, landlord and his friend, the radio came on, and it was a preacher talking against the occult. No one woke up. And I was at the back of the house. No one woke up. And I said, okay. <laughs> okay. But it didn't stop my life. Like, God helps you out, but it doesn't necessarily mean I was a stubborn, rebellious, stupid young woman. And so I was flying back to Edmonton to set up a drug deal out of Lebanon. And God spoke to me. And it wasn't a verbal voice, it wasn't a, but it was a voice, it was a knowing, it was words that you knew it was God. And he said to me, you're not going back to sell drugs. You're going back to serve me. And this is your last call. What would you have done? <laughs> so, and I knew God wasn't going to kill me. My life was going to kill me. God was trying to take me out of it. Because it was just around the corner. It was just around the corner. So that Sunday morning, I went up the pathway to the pulpit in that little Southern Baptist church and give myself back to God. I remember reading C.S. Lewis said when he finally, finally realized, you know, in the search he was opposing God, trying to, you know, disprove God, and he realized there was a God. He says he was not happy about it. He bowed his knee and said, I bow my knee because you are God. Took him a year later to find the son. But he had bowed. And, and, I, and I thought, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say something like that because I was not happy. You know, I said, yeah, I'll serve you. But you're like, I still would like to be out there doing exciting things. You know, it says that sin has pleasure, but it doesn't last because it becomes your snare. What you did for pleasure doesn't stay there, doesn't stay on that level. It get, you have to get deeper and deeper. You know, it's like drugs. That's why it ends up getting worse and worse because it doesn't satisfy. That's why, uh, that's why pornography, you start maybe in some mild spot. 25% of the pornography watchers are women. That will shock the men. 25% of pornography watches are women. And it, you can't stay at a level because hell has a downward tread. And that's why people start with pornography. It becomes such a snare. It robs relationships, it robs your mind, it ro robs stuff, it, it robs, it even robs a ton about the young man who cannot have a normal sexual reaction, that their bodies aren't working anymore. Hell laughs at this stuff. 
laughs at this stuff. God is the deliverer. God is the deliverer and the healer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I went back home. I got hold of a, bo a book. I'm a ferocious reader. But I got hold of a book. Uh, Angels of Light. And it talked in there, and some of you may be in this position, but it talked in there about occultish things. And he says, you know, when you come to God, it's not that God's mad at you or any of those things. He's healing you. He's delivering you. But there's a place of saying to hell, who you lit in the door, saying to hell, you don't have any more right here. What comes with you has no more right here. And so I looked and they had stuff at the back you should repent of. And I think it was two or three pages I'd done something, every page, every page, every page. It was a long repentance. <laughs> and so I was, I was kneeling down, you know, I was a good Baptist. And I was kneeling down and so I started saying, God forgive me for astrology. Uh, command anything that is not of you to leave me now. So I kept going, kept going, kept going. So finally when I went to the end, I felt a wind in my toes, inside my toes. And then it started to come up, my feet, my legs, my chest, out of my mouth like a rushing wind. And I was happy. <laughs> the deliverance of demonic realm brought me to the realization of my salvation. And so I became a devil kicker-outer. <laughs> my friend, she's in heaven now, but she used to say, I'm an accountant by day, but a devil kicker by night. She also, she also said this, we're both Scottish, she says, if it's no blood in your kilt, you're just a dancer. <laughs> because intercession is a real thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So I came back to Jesus. And uh, I started, I, I, got, I, I got The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. It's an amazing book if you haven't read it. Talked about a young preacher, young preacher going into the worst gang group in New York City. Just amazing, amazing story. Amazing story. And in the back, he's talking about something. About the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like it was so beyond me. I'm not a little Baptist by this time. It was so beyond me. I'm thinking, what does this really mean? What, what does this mean? I, like, I didn't have the spiritual revelation to even understand what I was reading, but I knew I wanted this. So I went to my Baptist pastor. It was a different pastor, no? A Baptist pastor. And he goes, oh, you don't, no, you don't need that. So that Sunday, he starts preaching against it. He starts preaching against tongues. I thought, this is interesting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I thought, I, I'm, I'm seeking this out. And God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Me and another guy, we were just circling, and God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so from there, kind of 
ended up in another little church to get the left foot of fellowship, you know, and um, ended up in the church. And I started, we had a lot of long hairs, we had a stuff, my, my mom, my poor mom and stepdad, I mean, they, our house was full of young people that we were leading to God, you know. And so I thought, well, this is a church, it's filled with the Holy Spirit, they're, they're awesome and everything, but... You know, I started bringing in the long hairs, and they put the thing in the paper. And when they came up to get saved, they tell them to get their hair cut. They put in the paper, there's revival, hippies are cutting their hair. And then they told me from the pulpit, if you want to start a hippie church, go do it somewhere else. So that weekend, some leaders in Seattle, don't, I don't even know how this all happened, but Seattle came up and started the Jesus People Movement in Edmonton Revolution. It was just like the movie, I'll tell you, and um, said I was going to lead it. What? Isn't there a man around to do this? And the Lord gave me this scripture because I've, I've spent well over a thousand, more than a thousand hours studying about women in the ministry. I know, I know what I speak of, and I know what God's saying in the word, and I know how twisted it's all become. But at that point, I didn't, I didn't know how to come through it. And so God gave me the scripture in Ruth where he let Ruth go up to the young men to glean that Boaz allowed it, who is the representative of Christ, that Boaz allowed it, Ruth, to go up. Because in that, in that time, the poor could come to the corners and, you know, pick what was left of the field. But he said, you can come up with the young men and begin to harvest. And, and that was awesome. And from that point on, I thought, well, God wants me. But, you know, I, I was always, it's just, and I, but my heels were like this all the way through because I kept looking around till I learned about Hulda. Hulda, the king was, you know, they were digging out from some ruins and they came across the word of the Lord. And the king says, go get Hulda. Zephaniah and Zechariah were both prophets in the land, but he wanted Hulda to come interpret the word. And she, interpreting the word, she brought revival to, to Israel. And through the scriptures, I mean, I'm not here to talk about women in the word, but through the scriptures, he loves us. He loves us. He, he just absolutely loves us. I used to think, you know, <laughs> yeah, he loves men more. He doesn't. But he doesn't love us more. He loves us. He just absolutely loves us. And so we ended up with the Jesus people movement. Jesus freaks is what we were called, actually. And we were on the street witnessing. We had houses, uh, men, guys and gals' houses. and <laughs> We were just quite crazy. But it's, it's interesting because they were coming out of the drugs. They were coming out of 
mental illness from it and stuff. And God is just healing, just healing. And he just had to move in the supernatural because there was nothing else you could do. We didn't have the smarts to do anything else, right? So we trusted in the Holy Spirit. I remember one day the doorbell rang. there's a little girl, actually a sister of one of the Jesus people that we ministered to, and she's holding up her little friend. They're maybe 13 or 14, holding up her little friend, and she's like, you know, and I says, come in, come in. And I says, what, is she on, what drugs is she on? She goes, she's not, she doesn't take drugs. So it's so strange that she brought her to our house. You know what I mean? And so I says, okay. So she sat in the bed. They just began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Started praying in tongues. Thank God. What's discernment? What, what is this? And he said, witchcraft. And I says, where has she been around witchcraft? And so she had a teacher that used to bring the Ouija boards in, all that stuff. And here was this little girl. Not born again, a little girl. So I rebuked the spirit of witchcraft, commanded to come out of her. And she jumps off the bed, puts her hands up to heaven, starts screaming, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And then got born again. <laughs> so we just, we'd go into, the <laughs> we'd go into places because we were a novelty. You know, we were a novelty. We'd go into university classes, all kinds of things. And we were, <laughs> we were in a teacher's, at teacher's conference, and the drugs were just getting crazy, as they're even worse now, but just crazy. And, and so they wanted to have people that worked with drug addicts that were successful to come and share stuff with them. Says, oh, and I was thinking, wow, are we going to do this? And uh, so they had these two guys get up and share. And we knew them. They, were, they worked for the government, got all kinds of money, and they were drug pushers. And they were talking to the teachers about how to help kids get out of drugs, you know. So they split the teachers up, and to each one of us had one, and I don't know, there must have been 20 teachers, maybe 30 teachers in a circle. And so a teacher says, so how can we help these kids? Well, I only had one answer. I said, you guys need Jesus yourself. And so this guy was sitting, you know, teacher sitting over here, and he goes, what if you don't want Jesus? I goes, oh, he didn't come for you. <laughs> he got so mad. He got so indignant. What do you mean he didn't come for me? Well, he, I says, he came for the unrighteous, not the righteous. Well, everybody cracked up. Everybody starts laughing. And Jesus had the room. Jesus had the room. He just, gives, he just gives us answers, as, as he does now. Gives us answers that uh, are not normal. Because <laughs> we were definitely not normal. I was, they were having a rock concert, and, and we were kind of, we infiltrated drug houses and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we're this rock concert, just loud. and So pretty hard to witness Jesus, you know. So there's one young guy. I don't know why these certain stories are coming to mind, but this young guy. So I started sharing about Jesus. He goes, ah, I don't want that. Away he went. About 10 minutes later, he's running through the crowd, grabs hold of me. He says, come with me, come with me. He starts dragging me through people and up these stairs to this little landing. And here's a young girl, almost comatose. And says, you got to pray. And he says, you got to pray for her. you got to pray for her. So... 
bound the spirit of drugs commanded to come out of her, and she just became normal. And all these kids in that little landing screaming and yelling, hallelujah, you know. And so we demonstrated power of God. And you know, we know, and I'm sure many of you heard, there's another Jesus movement, and this is greater. This is greater. It will be greater. It's already, I mean, you see the revival is happening in that age group, uh, not just, you know, all through the states and all through, and different areas of Canada, even into uh, First Nations and into, into indigenous reserves and stuff. Things are happening in certain sections with the young people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we as mothers and fathers and you young people, I, I like this definition of generation. It's everybody who's alive at the same time. We all, we all got stuff to do. We, we all got places. I, I don't have the energy to, I mean, I used to street witness all the time. I don't, have, I don't have that much energy for that stuff. But I know young legs that do. I know those who have a vision, no matter their age, no matter who they are. One of our best street witnesses was a teacher, and she looked like something out of Little House in the Prairie. Like, she looked like a teacher. But she'd go and she carried that big, we all had big Bibles. We carried that big Bible. And uh, we didn't like the women going out or girls going out by themselves, so you have a guy with them. And so there was two ladies that were fighting in the street. And she was telling them to stop. And this lady turned, she goes, I got a knife. And she goes, I've got a sword. <laughs> So the guy had taken off by that time, but the this girl, they just kind of stopped, you know, and went. Because there's something about Jesus that makes you courageous. I think we should be the most fearless people on the earth. Fearless. That's why we're getting rid of fear. Fearless. Hallelujah. You know, I actually was going to share on, not tonight, but I'm thinking about sharing on, on death. That we really are in a time of pushing back death. We actually are. This is actually a time of pushing back death. Death that has afflicted you. Death that, and not, not talking about physical in particular, even though, of course, it can be physical, but but death to your dreams, uh, death to things that you thought were over, that God will revive, God will revive. So the Jesus people ended up in the charismatic movement, went into the, you know, the, the teaching movement, the word of faith movement, and just got these progressions, you know, that, that God did. And, and uh, you know, we, we still kept casting out devils. We, we still did whatever God told us to do. So when my kids were teenagers, I'll get real personal here. When my kids were teenagers, my husband and I were pastoring, and uh, he tremendous, his tremendous ministry, uh, miracles, all kinds of stuff, and he fell, and fell hard. 
you know, if a business guy falls, he just becomes a workaholic. But if an ex-drug addict falls, seven times worse. And he ended up a cocaine addict in the inner city. So a little um, tough, and I'm pastoring, and, and I had to decide through the broken heart part, what did God want me to do? So I went away for about a week, and, and uh, I says, God, do you want me to keep pastoring? What do you want me to do? And he said, well, if you're a hireling, you can leave. He just says such nice things to me. <laughs> and, and my kids, oh, they were upset that I even consider it. What about the church? My daughter Faye said, what about missions? Like the father had put this in him, which is so interesting. So he went to hell and back a number of times. But right now, He's preaching an evangelistic meeting in the Philippines. He's part of our church. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I learned grace, thank God, that grace is the enabling of God where you are not able. And you know, he fell, and uh, I mean, he raised two people from the dead backslidden. It's anointing. He's a revelatory teacher. And bold, bold as a lion. But you know what, all the way through that, God said to me, why should the devil win? Why should the devil win? Why should this ministry, why should this person go off the earth? And I know he lived because of so many people prayed for him. He should have had wings. <laughs> but here's the thing. When, when God spoke to me and said, if you don't watch your heart, you will lose your children. You will lose your church, and you will lose yourself. You know, the scripture says, with the heart, man believes. With the heart, man believes. And if you're, you know, unto salvation, righteousness, all of those, but with the heart, man believes. So if your heart is in trouble, your belief system is affected. We cannot afford to have our heart in trouble. Does God know? I mean, there's grief. There's all kinds of things that happen. You know, I just lost a precious sister just a few weeks ago. I mean, there's, I'll miss her till I see her. But the point is, I'll see her because I'm going in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're going to the same destiny. Death is not a threat to Christians. It's not a threat. But... These things are not God's desire. Do you know what people say? God's will and then, I mean, he gets blamed for everything. He gets blamed for everything. Say, well, it's God's will what happens on the earth. Mm. If it's God's will, 
If it was God's will, what happens on the earth, there wouldn't be one hungry baby today. If it was God's will, it was on the earth, there would be no Ukraine and Russia today. See? It was, it's not God's will for suffering. It's not God's will for sickness and disease. Jesus never laid hands on anyone and they got sick. But anyone he laid hands on, anyone he spoke to got well. And the dead were raised up. And he's the, he's the, the bodily representation of the triune God. Him. So we look at him and say, what did he do? How did he respond to that? I get a little irritated about it because God does get blamed for everything. And he gets blamed. You know, people don't serve God or they aren't doing God and something happens to them and they blame God. When was the last time they even talked to him? You know. Remember when my father died, you know, I, it, was, it was very tough. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s. And um, I was sitting at a table having lunch uh, during a, uh, uh, a men's meeting, actually, but full gospel businessmen. And their speaker was a man named Doug Roberts. He was a medical doctor from BC. And he was an amazing guy. And so he's like at this corner, and I'm in this corner, people in between. And he starts talking about his friend who had died in an airplane crash. That his wife was supposed to be on the plane and last minute didn't go. And he said, at the funeral, he says, I picked up his two-year-old son. And I spoke into him. Say, God did not kill your father. But I'll tell you what he did. He was standing at the gates of heaven, opening up the door. And I'm sitting on the other side, listen to this, and I just start to weep. And I'm not, you know, that emotional like that. And I just started to weep. I got healed. God didn't kill my father. God didn't kill my father. He didn't take him away that my mother was left with six children. But as long as we live in the world, we're fighting things of the world. We're fighting things of the world. We're fighting sickness and disease. That's why he's given us authority to come against it. And you know, we're, we're fighting accidents. We're, we're fighting evil people. You know, I pray often, you know, especially praying for our kids. Lord, keep them from the evil man and the evil woman. There's a whole bunch around today. Many teaching things that they think is good. It's absolutely. By the way, uh, what things are going on and stuff going on. Our schools are worse, by the way. Uh, what things are going on. Even after he got born again, he had a hard time giving up that book. I mean, I don't know how many people talked to him about that book. And finally, and it was part of a cultural thing, too. And finally, he burnt that book. When he burnt that book, he got freedom. 
that thing was holding him back, those grudges. It says, never hold a grudge or try to get even. But plan the people that don't look like you would like them to look. That means people that are painfully confused. Painfully confused. Try and be a friend. It says that they'll know we've been with Jesus what way? The love we have for each other. So as awesome as miracles and all that stuff are and should be, the number one call is that. And actually, God says that the world can judge us on it. The world can judge us on that. Are you loving? Obviously, you haven't been with, you've been with Jesus. Are you not loving? Well, you haven't been with Jesus. They can judge us on that. God give them permission. They can judge us on that. Wow. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge. But leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay it, says the Lord. You know, I had a vision of my husband about a year after he had fallen. And, um, and I'm telling you, there's times I had to lay hands on my heart about every hour that God was the healer of my heart. Because, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'll just, you know, do whatever to whoever. But if you love them, that's different. And so, and I had children involved, and they thought the sun rose and shone on their dad, and then he fell. I mean, there was devastation. Devastation. I saw him, and he was standing on a, a grass, kind of a bit of a mold thing, and he was standing on the grass, and it was dark. And I was watching him, and I was looking at him, but I could also, I was also inside of him. And he started sinking into the dirt, straight down. And in his mind, he's saying, how did I get here? How did I get here? And the Lord spoke to me and said, will you stand? Now, if I knew how long it would take him to get there, I probably would have said, yeah, maybe for a week, but we're talking years. Does that, does that mean, <laughs> you know, by that time I wanted a marriage with him? All that, that had nothing to do with it at that point. It had, to, had in that point, will you stand for him? My friend and I got together for a whole year every night that I was in town, prayed for him. We saved his life. She was his intercessor, saved, saved his life. And it wasn't because I was so noble, it's because I began to understand the grace of God. And the Lord even said, you know, there was a, it was like a Pyrex, not a Pyrex, a, you know, like a see-through plastic. Yeah, plexiglass, thank you. And, and I knew, I knew there was a man behind it. And I knew if I didn't stand, 
because that took my time, that I was allowed this other man. I hadn't met him yet, so it was an easy decision. He said, I'll stand. So today, my children have a relationship with their father. My, my son-in-laws, who wanted to kill him many times, have a relationship with their father-in-law. My grandchildren have a relationship with a godly man. Hallelujah. So in the, in the, in the breadth of eternity, would I have done things different? Yeah, absolutely. There was things I would have done different. But I rejoice that the devil didn't win. And that my response, my heart condition, was so serious. It was so serious. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So the Lord really spoke to me when I, if someone does evil against you, and he was certainly doing evil against me, just by his life. If he was a woman beater or a child beater, I'd have, but he wasn't those things. He was a fallen prophet. And if I responded wrongly, don't get, don't let me look like this wonderful saint here. There was times I would have, if he had been in front of me, I would have taken a knife to him. Because something had just happened or my kids had just got hurt. Because that's kind of my other personality. And I remember my friend, the intercessor, I'd found out he'd done something. I says, I'm going to go find him. And she says, oh, do you think that's a good idea? And I just looked at her. She hit the ground the minute I left, you know. And I went looking for him. I went through the bars. Went everywhere I knew he hung out. People were jumping out of the way. If I'd have found him, I'd have attacked him. So I'm just saying, this was a day-by-day, hour-by-hour thing. God started to show me if I reacted wrongly when evil was done against me, evil for evil, I was increasing evil. Did I have a right to feel bad? Did I have a right to be angry? Hey, we all have these rights. Everybody has the rights. That's what makes us different. We're Christians. Yeah, we have, we have rights. We have we have, uh, you know, excuses for doing stuff, but in the, when you get in the spirit realm, you go into the reason of the Holy Spirit. And that if I allowed my mind to retaliate, to think all these depressing, hateful thoughts, or sorrow or grieving, if I allowed that to consume my life, you see, it affects the heart. 
And so here's evil against you, but your response increases it. And doesn't that make the devil happy? Evil for evil. 1 Peter 3a says, Finally, be of you, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love us brethren. Be pitiful but cur- courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you might inherit a blessing. See, if you do the opposite, you get a blessing. You get blessed if you do the opposite. Do you know the um, opposite word of blessing is miserable? It's actually miserable. The opposite of blessing is miserable. So we can bless and be happy and say good words over people. Or we can stay in that evil place. We don't get out of this world without having our heart broken at some time. And usually it's by people you care, care about, otherwise your heart wouldn't be broken. And how wonderful it is that God has given us the answer for it. That he came to heal the brokenhearted. Came to heal the brokenhearted. It doesn't, you know, I can't imagine, you know, this dear lady from Ukraine, I can't imagine, can't imagine what happens in these situations. Horrible. But whether it's a great situation or a small situation, the answer is the same, that he heals the heart. He heals the heart. And that he wants to go to the root of things, that you would be whole, that you would be whole. I think it was Chuck Smith, or he, said, he said that, you know, he doesn't know about going back for everything, but he knows this, if he sees something from his past, it's affecting him. He says he grabs hold of it, pulls it in front of him, and says, you will not affect my future. Get out of my path. So what we justify this not helping us. Do you know that <laughs> mistakes... You don't, get, you don't get forgiveness over mistakes. Mistakes are mistakes. You only, so if you say, well, it was a mistake, but it was a sin, guess what? You get forgiveness for sin, not for mistakes. Have you ever seen people, oh, yeah, it was a mistake. Well, they just sinned. You know, they were rotten. They, they sinned. You see it in some series and stuff. You know, well, just, they made a mistake. No, no. The wonderful thing is when we do something wrong, He says, when we confess it to him, he is well able to forgive us. And not only forgive us, but cleanse us. So that remnant of of what's happening to us, that remnant of, because many times the forgiveness needs to be about yourself. Uh, Most of you know all, all of that kind of stuff. But today, I really, 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 really believe God wants to 
absolutely deliver your hearts. Had all this promising word at the beginning. Pastor Megan, it was, it was wonderful. And right on, right on. To open up to what God has for you, your heart has to be open. Because you know there's that peace in there. You know, why should I forgive him? Tell you why, because it's not about him. It's about your life. It's about your life. My life would have been destroyed. And I've had a life. I like my life. I love being married. And I'm happy going home and I don't have to cook nothing. I'm not missing out. And you know, if God wants to enlarge my heart and something like that, he has access to my heart. Otherwise, I'm good. You need Jesus to be happy, not a man. It's nice to have a man. I understand, I understand that too, that, that God puts people together and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. So we, but we bless, we, we bless each other in the state we are in. Stop trying to marry people off. It annoys me, some of these pastors' conferences. They're always trying to marry people off. See, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Or a guy can't look after himself unless he's got a, you know, got a new wife. Like, come on, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Thank you, Jesus. It says, with the heart man believes. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. He can do that. He can do that. He can do that tonight. He can do that tonight. No matter the condition of a broken heart, he can do that tonight. It's a... Uh, I was listening to a, a prayer, uh, actually a prayer ministry thing, and the guy that the head of it was talking about how he was ministering to uh, women that had been abused, and he says, uh, and he was getting pretty frustrated because there was no breakthrough in some of these women for like years. And he says, even in a group, the one would start talking about the abuse go into themselves and, and uh, blame themselves in some way, even no matter what age. Somehow they had, a, and, and then the ladies besides, you know, it wasn't your fault, it wasn't your fault. And then they go to the next lady, and she do exactly the same thing. This I'm unclean, it was something. You know, somehow hell loves you to take ownership of stuff that you are innocent of. And so he says, God, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into marriage counseling or something. I'm just, uh, and he did better than most. And he says, I just, just can't handle it anymore. The Lord said, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So he started meditating on that. Next day, one of the ladies was in for a counseling session. He says, I'm going to try something different today. She goes, good. And he says, so 
go to that place of pain. So she did what she usually does. She got, you know, crunched into herself, started weeping. And he said, Lord, I thank you that you are the spirit of truth. And I thank you that the spirit of truth breaks the power of the lie. She just came to herself. And he says, uh, what happened? She says, I'm not guilty. He says, well, I've been telling you that for years. He goes, she goes, yeah, but Jesus told me today. <laughs> so that became a whole ministry style. Because see, if it gets caught in your heart, we're trying to ask forgiveness when God says you need healing. That you need healing. Now, many times these things can go into, you know, cause us to go into sin. But the original, the root, is healing. God wants to heal that spot. And it, when he heals that spot, you don't have, it's like a domino effect down, down your life. And the things that spot, is a, spot has, a, you know, a young kid, and you felt helpless. And as an adult, something happens, suddenly you overreact because you feel helpless. Even though we know, like logically, we shouldn't be doing this. Can't help it because it's in our hearts. So today, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that any root in your heart would be broken today. Uh, I know I'm anointed to pray for the brokenhearted. Oh, we got men. Hallelujah. I like a mis mixed bag, so this is good. Because we all are the same as far as the heart's concerned. This is what I want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you can, uh, let me see, what do I want? A little upbeat, but not crazy. <laughs> Doesn't that help? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a soothing sound. Just kind of, I'm not a musician, so, but not soothing. I want some action to it. And I trust you because you're anointed for it, not me. Just like you today, if, if, if I've been talking to you. The Holy Spirit has been talking to you about your heart. All I want to do, I'm not going to make it complicated. He's not complicated. But he does come, and that the anointing breaks the yoke today. So I just literally, I'm just going to stand over here. You just come by. I'm going to lay hands on your heart. And that God, <laughs> the God of the heart, would go to the very core of your being, even when it ha even if it has to be a beginning, even if it has to be if you were three, even if it has to be last week, that God would go to that part today. I mean, go along the week, he'll show you other things, but that part today, he wants to heal, he wants to set you free. He wants your heart happy. Like when I was delivered from the old cult, I was suddenly happy. Because something that didn't belong to me left. And there's stuff you're carrying that does not belong to you. And it's caused heaviness. It's caused you to judge yourself harshly.
even to judge others harshly. It's caused pain. Let's get rid of it tonight. Let the, let's pray together by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. So I'm just going to come down here. You know, that, that by the power of the, the finger of God, deliverance has come to you because the kingdom is here. Yeah. The kingdom is here. So the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes.